0: Hello to everyone, I'm Louisa Caston, your host for Let's Talk About Food, a podcast devoted to first-person storytelling, where food plays a pivotal, if not a starring role. Everyone has a food story. Food is at the heart of human connection, at the center of love, of ritual, of need and want, and most of all, food creates community, and community is what we crave. A few weeks ago, we spoke with one of my personal icons, Michelle Nishan, chef, activist, mentor, and leader. I think you'll find this short bonus episode moving and eloquent, and it'll give you a pretty good idea of why so many find Michelle Nishan so inspiring. We had to postpone our scheduled conversation because Michelle and his wife got breakthrough COVID. When we did catch up, he spoke about why he defines getting vaccinated and wearing masks as simply being a good neighbor. Just tell us the story of how you got COVID again.
1: I was surprised and not. You know, Lori and I, from, from the moment uh, we knew the pandemic was coming, were wildly careful because I had my, I, two, two of my adult sons were living with us who had type one diabetes. One was just supposed to be here temporarily with his wife and they ended up just staying with us because of the environment. My 20 year old son has type one diabetes as well. We had our grandson for several months because he has asthma, but his other grandmother has COPD type two diabetes. So all these comorbidities and Amber, August's mother, my grandson's mother is a healthcare worker, as are her two sisters. So they sequestered themselves in her sister's apartment. So we kept August. So we had all these human beings immediately shut down, sanitized, got the mask thing. The minute the vaccines were available, got the vaccines. I got Pfizer, Lori got Moderna. And then I had to do a business trip to Nashville. So I went down to Nashville and Lori and I were just appalled at nobody's wearing masks. Restaurant staffs retail staffs, except at the CVS, the hotel staff, (laughs) you know, you go into the hotel, how they have the hand sanitizer stations and stuff. They were all empty (laughs) and we're like, dude, you know, fill the hand sanitizer. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, we haven't filled those in a while. Nobody uses them, you know, that kind of a thing. So we were super careful. We had a mask. We went to the CVS, bought our own hand sanitizer and we're very, very diligent. We're there Thursday and Friday, got home on Sunday on Monday. I started feelings kind of symptomatic. So I went to get a test, tested positive. So it just kind of blew me away how careful we were. But if you're the only person being careful, it's not enough. (laughs) So I look at these governors who are like banning mask mandates in public schools and stuff like that. And I just want to shake them until their head falls off because they're putting their own political future in front of the safety of our children the family members of those children. We had two young children. My son, Chris, was diagnosed with type one when he went to grade school at age five. Our son, Ethan, who is now 20, was diagnosed at age two. So we went through the whole public school thing with having two kids that had to take insulin a few times a day and all of that jazz and know how hard the work already is on the teachers, already is on the nursing staff at these grade schools. And then to have them in a pandemic environment, responsible for the safety of all these children, and then you get a political leader for their own political gain, preventing them from having the tools that they need. I'm just, I'm so much more emotional about it now than I was before Lori and I got infected because we were really confident, even though those people in Nashville weren't careful, we were very confident that we were safe only to get sick. (laughs) It's it's just like, come on, man, what is it going to take? For these folks to open their eyes. That's how I got it. You asked me a simple question and I took the long way around. I apologize for that, but there you no, have please.
0: it. No, please. Thank you. I mean, it's, it's cautionary tale.
1: Yeah, it really is. But it also it, it speaks volumes to two things. One is the power of the vaccine. I had symptoms for maybe 12 hours. Lori had no symptoms, right? Two very vulnerable individuals ended up isolated with us. So we had August, a three-year-old with asthma, and Ethan, our 20-year-old with type 1 diabetes. We're now cleared. We're past isolation. They did their last COVID test today. They've been negative throughout the entire time. So it really shows the power of the vaccine, but it also shows the power of the Delta variant to be able to break through the vaccine. So, you know, we're dealing with a real public health threat here that is currently killing people who have decided not to wear masks or get vaccinated. It's just one of those things where I wish we could wave that magic wand and say, there are certain things that are just beyond politics. There are certain things that unite us all as human beings and Americans. And number one is making sure that we're never putting another one of our neighbors in harm's way while we're also working to keep our own family safe. This is a basic fundamental constitutional right And everyone's making it like the constitutional right is to not have to wear a mask. It's, pardon my language, it's bullshit. It's like people have a right not to be put in danger by their neighbors. That right to not wear a mask, that right cuts both ways. You know, what? what's happened to just being an honest to God, good neighbor who's genuinely concerned for the other people in your community? It's been a, it's been a while. That's all I've been thinking about the last 10 days. (laughs) I mean, it's.
0: It's mm. extraordinary. I I grew up in the time of polio vaccines and we would go mm. in, you know, and it, I remember we got the shots and then at school we all got the oral vaccine. I can't imagine that anybody made that a political issue. Nobody wanted yeah, no, their kids
1: to get polio. Well, what, what happened is we had a president who created the March of Dimes, which really, really provided the necessary financial and infrastructural support and all of the tools and information necessary to defeat polio. Look at the Spanish flu, right? We didn't have the power of the pharmaceutical companies the way we have now to be able to come up with vaccines so rapidly, but it was basically defeated in three years by everybody wearing a mask with no access to scientific pharmaceuticals. This is a situation where we had an opportunity to let history repeat itself in a good way. Polio vaccines and measles vaccines and, and the Spanish flu mask wearing. And, and we went in the other direction in a modern day and age when people have rapid, immediate access to information. It just tells you how disruptive this political dysfunction is in our nation. We need to figure out how we find our way back to our soul's pathway, to just genuinely good American neighborliness. Something that we all used to be very proud of. As a nation, we have a lot to be ashamed about when it comes to discourse around how, how this illness that has taken so many lives and will take so many more is being handled, you know, it's just crazy, nutty, nutty stuff. But other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you enjoy the play?
0: (laughs) Thank you, Michelle. Our longer conversation with Michelle Nishan is coming right up. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening. And thank you to our team, producer Rachel Gottbaum and sound engineer and composer Michael Moss of Soundscape Boston. You can find more of our stories at heritageradionetwork.org or by visiting our website, letstalkaboutfood.com or find them on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's Talk About Food is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradio.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork.
2: Good food is worth a thousand words. Hi, this is Aarti Menon, and I'm delighted to share a new podcast with you, My Family Recipe, from Food52 and Heritage Radio Network. Each episode of My Family Recipe brings you a cherished heirloom recipe and the story behind it from voices across the world of food. Join us as we explore experiences of loss and remembering accompanied by homemade baked CT, and chronicles of comfort and celebration paired with the perfect chocolate cake. I'll interview writers and chefs, parents and children, about what's passed down along with the foods that we know and love. Adapted from Food 52's much-loved column of the same name, the My Family Recipe podcast will bring its pages to life. I grew up literally hanging off the petticoat tails of three generations of Indian matriarchs, who used food to speak their everyday language of love. As a result, I've always reached for the human side of recipes and food traditions. As the editor of the essay series, I work with writers to explore the histories behind these passed-down dishes, but also what they mean for the present and our futures. I'm so excited to dig deeper into the stories and voices behind them. Subscribe to My Family Recipe from Food52 and Heritage Radio Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. Cherish dishes and delicious stories coming this fall.